All right, uh, grab your Bibles if you wouldn't go to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 this morning. Um, we, when I say we, we who have been bought with a price, and that price is very specific, the price that we've been bought with was the blood of Christ. So that we who have been bought with a price have been given a testimony. We have a testimony. Every single one of you in here who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ have a testimony. We have been given that testimony that is to bring glory to God alone. Your story brings glory to the King of Kings. Your, your testimony that you carry is yours and yours alone. Listen, I, I don't have Walida's testimony. Walida doesn't have Caleb's testimony. She has hers and I have mine. Amen? That, that those that have been bought with a price, we carry a testimony with us. And I am thankful to God that He saw fit to show me His glory and to expose my sin and to call me to repent of my sinfulness and then to provide a pathway forward to find forgiveness. Anybody else thankful for that kind of stuff? I, I, no, I am. I, I am eternally grateful to Christ that He saw fit to redeem me, an unworthy, wretched sinner. So today we're going to look at Acts chapter 26. And in Acts 26, we're going to see um, Paul's in the same boat. Paul has, to t has a testimony. Obviously, Paul's testimony is going to be different than your testimony. And if you, if you know the history of Paul, um, there's a reason Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners. That was one of, the, one of the titles he gave himself, I, the chief of sinners. And, and we're going to see a more granular look in the text here of what he attempted to do and why he was such a wretch. And that the, the proof is that no one, we don't have, there's, there's no one here that can say, well, God can't save that person. God's going to save whoever he wants to save. And God can redeem anyone he feels the need to redeem. And so we see that in the text here today. Um, we get a little bit clearer picture. Paul's testimony starts out a little rougher than, than many here, but nevertheless, his testimony brought many to see who Jesus was and even is to this very day. And God is getting the glory out of Paul's testimony. Um, the first thing you're going to see, we're going to start in verse 1. So, um, King Agrippa said to Paul, so now Paul is in prison. If you remember, Paul's been in prison for a little bit here. And this is, if you know a little bit of history, this is Paul's fifth defense of himself. So in this defense, though, this, you're going to see a little bit different kind of defense here in just a minute. So this is number five. So he's in front of King Agrippa. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. Starts in verse 2. I consider myself fortunate that is before you, King Agrippa. I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Especially because you're familiar with all the customs and the controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Now, I need you to understand something. You're going to see here in a minute... Paul doesn't give really a major defense for himself. This is an opportunity. The reason he says, I consider it myself um, 
uh, lucky. I, I'm, I'm excited to see this. I, I'm, I'm excited that I'm before you. Is because he's going to share the gospel with the king. And so this is where he's, listen, I beg you therefore, listen to me patiently. So he's, he's, pay, he's being kind and humble in his approach here. He's not attempting to defend himself. He knows what he's there for. He has one goal. Paul has the goal of preaching the gospel to whoever will listen, whether it's a peasant or the king. And in this moment, he is standing in front of one of the most powerful people in Israel. And so he's standing before the king and he gives, he starts to give his testimony. And he starts in verse 9 talking about um, what he was doing against Jesus. Verse 9. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So the first thing is, I'm convinced that this is what I'm supposed to do. So he shows us here that he thought he's doing God's work. Now if you remember, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a, he was a religious Jew. And he thought he was doing God's work in the places that he frequented. Remember, he was not only a religious Jew, but he was a part of the Sanhedrin, this high council. He, he got to do things and go places that most religious Jews couldn't go and do. So his goal was to try to bring glory to God through stamping out the name of Jesus. That was his mindset. Remember, he thought he was doing God's work. By trying to stamp out Christianity, he thought, remember, Old Testament Jews thought that Christ was a heretic. They, they thought he, because he came in and turned the establishment on its ear. So he said, I was convinced. Remember that? Think about that word. He was convinced. Anybody in the room ever been convinced of something? Maybe even if it was wrong? Don't look at me like that, honey. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Keep going, verse 10. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, which that in and of itself is a feat. To get access to the chief priest, that's a big deal. So... I received authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So he's not only locking them in prison, but he's casting his vote. Yep, kill that one. Yep, kill that one. Yep, kill that one. Verse 11. And I punished them often in all of the synagogues and tried them or tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even in foreign cities. So think about the language that Paul is telling. He's telling the bad side of his testimony. He's giving his testimony to King Agrippa. And he's saying, this is what I did. I was convinced that I was doing the right thing. I was on a path that was really bad, and here's what I was doing. I was killing Christians. I was putting them in prison. I was trying to get them to blaspheme. I enraged. Listen to that word. 
in raging fury against them. I mean, that, that doesn't seem like, hey, you need to quit that preaching. In raging fury, how many of you guys have ever just been, they call it spitting mad? Anybody in the room ever been just, just spit coming out of your mouth? Anybody ever been that mad? You've just been like, oh, just in raging fury? That's what I'm thinking. Paul's just mad. Paul's enraged at this thing. And he's ready to fight. And he's throwing all these people into in, in prison. And he's persecuting them, even in foreign countries. They're not even in Jerusalem. He's like, hey, listen, I'm going to try to hunt you down and find you. So he says, talking about foreign cities, in this connection, verse 12, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priest. So remember, he's saying, listen, I'm doing, I've done a lot of bad stuff. So Paul's telling the world here what he did. He's exposing, he said, listen, here's what I did. I sinned greatly in the sight of men, and I sinned greatly in the sight of God. Here's what I did. I went to Damascus with the authority of the chief priest, and at midday, O king, remember, he's telling this to King Agrippa, and remember, there's a court so there's a whole bunch of people in this court. There's a whole bunch of things happening in this moment. And so he says to the king, O king, at midday, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise up and stand up to your feet. For I have appeared to you for a purpose. To appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me, seen me and to those in which I I will appear to you later. Okay, so this, there's this turn that happens in Paul's life. This is one of those but, but God moments. But then this turn happens. And there's a reason, the reason um, that he realizes I'm a, I was wrong. If he, I think of Ephesians 2, that but God moment. But God does so many things. This is that but God moment for Paul. When he's on his way to Damascus. And this light from heaven, it's brighter than the sun, shines around him. And he hears this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Or kick against, some translations say, kick against the pricks. In verse 14 here, the idea, it's, it's hard to kick against the pricks or the goads. This means... You're hurting yourself by pursuing the useless things that you're pursuing. And it's useless for you to try to resist me. You're kicking against something that's going to end up hurting you anyways. You shouldn't even try. Stop trying to resist me. That's the idea in the text here. Like, you can't resist me. Like, this is God, the sovereign king of the universe. You cannot resist him. That's what he's telling Paul here. It's useless to resist God's call in our lives. God will get who he wants to get. Do, do you think that, like, listen, 
Do you think in your arrogance that you're stronger than God? Paul did. Paul thought he was stronger than God. This is the idea here in the text. Paul, is it so hard for you to see this is why? Why are you resisting me? You're wasting your time, Paul. Quit trying to resist. This is You're only hurting yourself. That's what Jesus was saying to Paul. You're only hurting yourself. You need to submit to me. This is the call in our own lives today. You're kicking against the goads. You're only hurting yourself. Quit resisting the Lord Jesus Christ and submit to Him. Mm. Then verse 15 says, Who are you? Like he's, but, he, but remember, who are you, Lord? Capital L-O-R-D. And the Lord said, it's Jesus. It's me. The one you've been persecuting. So Paul begins with his testimony, but he doesn't end with it. He points them to Jesus as the end game of all of this. Verse 17. Well, verse 16. Sorry, verse 16. But rise and stand under your feet, and I will appear... For I have appeared to you for a purpose. I have appeared to you for a purpose. To appoint you as a servant. So he's appointed Paul for a purpose. As a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me. And to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles. To whom I am sending you. To open their eyes. To cast I'm sorry, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Paul starts with his testimony. He says, here's who I was. Here's what I did. But he doesn't stop with just who he is and what he did. He points the king Back to the king of kings. He points to repentance. He points to Christ alone. He points to, man, I want you all to, I want you king to see that it's Christ who reigns and you should turn from the power of Satan to the power of God and that you would receive the forgiveness of your sins and a place among those who are sanctified and set apart by faith. He points them to Jesus. His testimony tells them who Jesus is. And the message to the king is the good news of the king of kings. Then verse nine, I love verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient in the heavenly vision, but declare first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. This idea shows us that your salvation is a continuing thing. That the repentance that you did at the beginning is that what you're continuing to do is to live in that repentance. It's not just the, all right, God, forgive me my sins. All right, I'm good to go. Let's go rob a bank. Let's go commit adultery. Let's go do this. Let's run after this. No, 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 no. You are to continue in the repentance that you started with. That they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. That you don't just say a prayer and get dunked, 
but rather it's a lifelong lifestyle of following the rigorous righteousness and holy standard that God has set up. And you don't live that on your own. You don't live that by yourself. You don't maintain your salvation. It isn't Jesus who saves you and then you've got to maintain it for the rest of your life. It's Christ who saves you in the moment and then continues to save you throughout your entire life. Amen? That's the truth. Now only God can provide you what you need to accomplish in Him. Verse 21. Let's keep going. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. That's awesome, right? That's a, that's a fun Saturday. Verse 22. To this day, I have, had to, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but, the, nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. So he's pointing back to the Old Testament saying, listen, Moses and the prophets were pointing towards Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Paul's saying, listen, I'm pointing back to what Moses said. And listen, he's come. He died. He rose again. And now you have the forgiveness of sins. This is the gospel. And so he says, I pointed to nothing but the prophets and Moses and what they said would come to pass. And that is Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So he's like, listen, there's I know for years we've only thought it's just us Jews that's going to get saved. No, 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 no. God's saving multitudes of people from multiple races and multiple countries and multiple regions, not just the Jews, but them dirty Gentiles, too. Praise the Lord, because that's you and me. That's you and me. Then starting in verse 24, man, I love this interaction with the king. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. He's like, listen, you're so intellectually in your, in your ethos that you're crazy. You're out of your mind, Paul. You're nuts. Listen, there are going to be times and places when you stand up and share your testimony that people are going to think you're nuts. And people go, man, you're such a wretch. Man, I remember you. I remember who you are. I remember what you did. I remember the things you partake, you partook in. I remember all those things you said, drank, and did, and took, and, and the people you slept around with. I remember all those things you did. You're nasty. You're out of your mind. You're gross. That's all right. Don't let that deter you. Keep pointing them towards the person and the work of Jesus Christ in your life. Yep, you're right. Don't make excuses for your past. Don't be like, well, 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 I'm not as bad as you. Yeah, own it. I was a wretch. I was sinful. Yep, I was a drunkard. Yep, I did like to sleep around. Yep, I did all those things. Not proud of it, but man, praise God, he saved me. Anybody else? Praise God. Anybody else in the room thankful that God saved you? Come on. I'm telling you, don't let that deter you. Point men and women towards the person and work of Jesus Christ. Make them react to Jesus. Don't let them react to you. Just own it. Yeah, you're right. I did it. I did. 
I'm sorry. God forgave me, and man, I'm hoping you will too. Don't let what others say cause you to waver in your testimony. This is exactly what Paul does. He stands firm, verse 25. Paul says to him, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. I love that. (laughs) But I'm speaking true and rational words, verse 26. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. So he's like, listen, he knows all the things that I'm talking about. He's not stupid. He's smart about these things. That's the reason he said, I consider it, I'm very, I'm I'm thankful, I'm especially um, grateful because you are familiar with all the customs and the controversies. You know all the crazy things these Jews do. You know. You know it all. So he says in verse 26, For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has been done in a corner. This has not, not been done in a corner. This has not been done in secret. I didn't quietly go, listen, I'm broadcasting that I'm a wretch. And I have done all these things. Let me broadcast it for you that I'm a sinner. That I have done all the things that I've done. And then verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? So King Agrippa is smart and knows about the prophets too. He knew about Moses. He knew about the prophets. He knew all the things. He was a learned man. He knew all these things. So Paul looks at him and says, King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you believe. And King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? In this short time. That's a direct question. Imagine this. The king of the country looks at him, looks at you and says, Wait a second. In this short amount of time, would you try to persuade me to be a Christian? Paul doesn't waver, doesn't back down, doesn't have any shakiness. He says, what? Whether short time or long time, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. So, Except for being in these chains. Listen, so what does he say? Whether it takes me a long time to explain this or a short time to explain this, what I'm trying to get through to you is, man, absolutely, I want you to be forgiven of your sins and I want you to be saved and I want you to go to heaven. That's what I want. And here's, I want you just like me, except I don't want you to be in the, I'm in chains. I don't want you to have to be in chains. I want the whole place to break out in revival and I want everyone to be saved. That's what Paul's saying. That should be our hope. And we share our testimony. We should be in such a way, so feisty, so excited, that whether it's a long time or a short time, I would to God that not only you who hear my voice right now, but everybody who listens to my voice would hear the gospel and would be absolutely, radically transformed by the power of the gospel. Woo! Amen? That's what Paul's trying to get to here. Paul's like, let's go! Let's do this. Let's get excited. Come on. I would that you would be like I am. This is my hope as a pastor. Whether a short time or a long time, I would to God that not only you in this room today, 
but everyone who hears my voice, that you would become like I am. We say, what are you, Caleb? Man, I am a wretch. I am a sinner. I am a wretch. I am wicked to the core, but I have been set free. I've been set apart and forgiven of my sins. And I'm a sinner saved by the mighty and precious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to do the same. Be a part of the same. I'm a wretched sinner, but I've been saved by grace. And I would to God that you would be too. Oh, that's what I want. This should be our heart level desire as a church. Every single one of us, as we begin this thing this fall, as we step into Awanas, as we step into Labor Day, our overarching heart level desires, we have conversations with men and women. Share your testimony and then point them to Jesus. Tell them who you are. Tell them. And this is, this is our, here's the problem. A lot of people think, well, Caleb, my testimony's boring. Thank God. I want some boring testimonies. Amen? I was 12 years old, and I was in church, and I heard God's word, and I was saved. Awesome. That's what I want. But guess what? Some of us ain't like that. Some of us are a little bit hard-headed. Anybody in the room? Hard-headed people? Marsha, why were you looking at Regina? What was that? Huh. Now I've started a fight. But yeah, some of us got some hard-headedness. But God saved you. Yeah, Caleb, I was a drunk. But man, God saved me. Yep, I was a fornicator. But I've been saved out of that. Yep, I was this. I was that. I was this. I was a bitter, angry, just vile human being. But God said, praise God. But if hey, God was 12 years old and God saved me in the pew, praise the Lord. And guess what? God can do that for you too. Amen? Like that's, that's the thing. And this is, it's a beautiful thing. This should be our heart level desire. Don't be ashamed to share your testimony. Share it. Share it. Talk about it. Share it with people. As we're interacting this week with human beings, share your testimony. Tell people where you came from. Man, for years I was ashamed. Like I, I, man, in Baptist circles, my testimony is not exactly the most looked at, like, oh, Caleb. My testimony is not one they're like, oh. I got people even to this day that sort of kind of frown. Listen, I grew up in a religious home. My dad was a pastor, loved the Lord Jesus Christ, feared the Lord Jesus Christ, and he served him faithfully. I was a little stubborn. I disobeyed my parents. My parents, I wanted to marry a girl. My parents said, that's probably not a good idea. You probably shouldn't do that. You should run from that. Don't, don't do that. So parent, kids, listen to your parents. When they tell you, hey, this is probably a bad idea, listen to them. So I disobeyed my parents and I married this girl anyways. My parents knew this was a bad idea. They were smarter than me. Imagine that. 20-year-old looking at a 50-year-old saying, hey, I'm smarter than you. Well, four years later, I'm in the midst of a wild, crazy divorce. During that two-year interval, I'm off the reservation. Alcohol, women, crazy. Not a good time not a good thing. It was a good time. 
But not for eternity. My wife's going, read. It wasn't, it, it, in God's eyes, it was vile and punishable by death. But God saw in his sovereign hand to pull me back. And my sin was revealed to me and I repented and asked Christ to forgive me of my sinfulness. Asked God to save my mind and my heart and sanctify me and set me apart. And I asked for forgiveness and God, I believe, forgave me because I'm basing that on the authority of his word. If you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So Jesus saves me and reconciles me and sets me on the right path. Don't be afraid or ashamed of where you've been. Don't glorify. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to glorify my past because my past is wretched. But I, I got one. Anybody else in the room got one? God saved me. He set me apart and he redeemed me. And in this moment, Paul, he's telling his testimony, notice He's not defending himself in this text. He's just saying, here's what I did. I'm pointing you towards Jesus. It wasn't his own defense. It was a supernatural defense. And that sets Paul free. Look at the next verse here. Then the king arose and the, and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And they had withdrawn and they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. Huh. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if you had not appealed to Caesar. So Festus was doing his own, and he's doing everything in his power to shut Paul down. So they had, they had appealed to the highest level. So he couldn't set him free because Caesar says he can't be. So we're going to see in verse chapter 27, he's getting ready to go on a ship with a bunch of prisoners. But man, I'm telling you, what do these men and women see here? Listen, Paul shouldn't be in prison. He sure doesn't deserve to die. He should be set free. I'm telling you, your testimony and then pointing men and women to Christ will set not only them free, but it will set you free. You got nothing on me. Well, Caleb, you're a sinner. Yep. You, had a, you got a shady past. Yep. Thank God he saved me. Anybody else in the room? Anybody else in the room got a shady past? Done some of the things that are probably not kosher? Listen, I probably should have gone to jail more than once. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I went to jail once. Anybody else? Guess what? God saved me. God redeemed me. God set me free. Am I a wretch? Absolutely, but man, guess what? In God's book, and that's all that really, that's, that's all that matters. In God's book, according to Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundation of the world, God saw fit to come after me in all of my wretchedness and all my wickedness and redeem me and ransom me and adopt me, and now I'm his kid. Woohoo! You got nothing. I'm a king's kid. And guess what? All of you that have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ are a king's kid too. And I know we Baptists, but maybe I should get us excited. 
That should get us excited that we are set free from our past and there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can hold us back. Romans 8. Who should bring a charge against God's elect? Nobody, because God's chosen me and set me apart. I'm telling you, your story can set not only you free, but it might just set others free around you. Be bold enough to stand firm for your testimony and then point them to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Caleb, my testimony's boring. Good. Good. I would love to hear more boring testimonies. That's why I pray for my children is that they would have the absolute most boring testimonies in the world. Yeah, my dad was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. I got saved when I was young. I've been loving Jesus for decades. Hot dog. Let's do that. That's what you parents and grandparents should be praying for your kids. If you young bucks that are in here, young does that are in here, you should be praying that for yourselves. God, I want a boring testimony. That you just faithfully saved and redeemed and reconciled me and that I'm walking faithfully with you until glory. Anybody, can I get an amen on that one? And that's what we should be striving for when we get these kids in this room here in this fall. We've got 70, 80, 90 kids in this room. What are we doing? Faithfully sharing our testimony, saying Jesus is more than enough. We need to repent of your sins. What did Paul say? Paul points King Agrippa to repent. He persuades him and tries to persuade him and says, listen, I want you to repent of your sins. And I would, whether it's a long time or a short time, I would to God that not only you'd hear me this day, but you might be such as I, that you would repent of your sins and you would trust Christ and you follow him all the days of your life. So whether great or small, Paul's telling him, repent and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ and keep when you do turn, when you, when you do repent and turn to God, perform the deeds in keeping with that repentance. That means just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing from the beginning. Just keep doing the exact same thing. I think of Revelation 2. Revelation 2 has this same mindset. John is in the midst of the Isle of Patmos and he has this revelation from God. And he's there on, in chapter 2 and he says what? He's talking to the church of Ephesus. You've, you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore, verse 5, remember therefore from which you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. So the same idea in this text is the same idea that's in Acts 26. Repent and turn to God and perform the deeds in keeping with your repentance. Repent and remember from there, wherefore, from where you fall and repent and do the things you did at first. This is what you're supposed to do. Repent and turn to God and continue to follow God all the days of your life. That's it. That's the Christianity that we have. That's the biblical mindset that we're supposed to have. Amen? That's my call for us this morning. Own your testimony. Share your story with men and women around you. You go, I don't know how to share my faith. Just tell them what God did in your life. What did God do to save you? I realized I was a wretch. I was a, I was a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. And God used the power of the word to ignite that in my spirit, in my heart. And, woof, and just said, listen, you need to be in fuego for me. Done. 
Let's go. Let's go. That's what we're called to do. Let's stand together.